Que necesito una bomba balote. Una bomba balote. You're listening to the John Chi Show, hosted by three Korean American adoptees diving headfirst into what it means to be adopted, Korean American, and more. And now, here's your hosts, Nathan, Patrick, and KJ. Welcome to the John Chi Show. This is episode 11. Uh, we are so happy to have you guys all back again. Uh, we are excited that we've passed the, the double digits and are moving toward uh, triple digits. Triple digits. And then only quadruple two years digits. Away. I don't know. We'll, we'll see how that goes. But I am your host, Nathan, along with uh, KJ and Patrick. How are you guys I'm doing? I'm Patrick. <laughs> Hola, mi gente. Hello. ¿Cómo están? Hello. Bien, bien. Or as they say in Korea, 안녕하세요. 여러분, 안녕하세요. And we are the John Chi Show. <laughs> and uh, Patrick, what does the John Chi Show mean? That's also true. The John Chi Show means three Korean-American adoptees who talk about their <laughs> Korean identities. <laughs> Just kidding. I, that was a great setup. But what does John oh, Chi mean, right, Patrick? Right, right, John right. Chi part of the John Chi show. <laughs> John Chi means a multitude of things. We've narrowed it down to celebrating and feasting and joining together in a big group of people to have a laugh, have a drink, and share a good time. And that's what we do on the show, is we do all of those things in a different order every time, kind of. Well, no, actually, it's the same <laughs> order. Um... Yeah, but that's what we do here, and that's what John Chi means, and I think that's what we, we've accomplished so far through 11 episodes. So, we are filming this episode one week before Election Day, November 3rd, and we are yeah. very excited. We are casting our votes. I casted mine today, and I think the other guys are casting yours soon. Are you guys, uh, you're heading out uh, to do that soon? Uh, yeah, I'm going out tomorrow, both my fiancé and I after work, I think. Uh, we're going to be heading to the polls. Missouri doesn't have early voting. Oh, lucky you. Is it so what's your What's your plan then for, Are you, so you have to go or did you do an, uh, an absentee mail-in? Uh, I did not do an absentee mail-in and so mm. I have to go. And stand in line. Yep. But I'm going to try to go like at an off time because my work is pretty flexible. So hopefully I won't be there for like multiple hours on end it will just be mm -hmm. a few hours hopefully or maybe no hours we'll see patrick said something about his uh area having those that online check status thing does uh, missouri have anything like that i don't know here's the deal i am <laughs> uh not a great american citizen uh this oh, is no. you are definitely a good American. Second election that I will have attempted to vote in. The first election, uh, I didn't get my stuff. I didn't check my registration. So I stood in mm. line at the place that I was going to register or was going to vote at in 2016. Stood in line, did the thing. And then I got up to the place to get my ballot. And they were like, okay, let me you know do the thing. And they're like, oh, you're not registered to vote. And I was like, what? Mm. Uh, so I just wasn't registered. <laughs> um, so if you have not, if you are... Lazy like me, go check your registration. Even if you think that you are registered, go check your registration mm -hmm. and make sure that everything is good to go because uh, there's nothing worse than standing in line for oh, hours no. 
for it to come to nothing in the end. Like that is so uh, defeating. So uh, don't don't, don't be like me. Left? I don't know. I I don't even deserve a sticker. So yeah. oh, that's so bad. Well, yeah, especially this year, there's too. been super long wait line or wait oh, times yeah. at a lot of uh, pretty much every state. So definitely um, check your status. That is that is a really good tip though. Yeah, that, yeah. You can do that at vote.org. Uh, you can do that in multiple places. If you just mm-hmm. type in "How do I check my voter registration?" into Google, you'll get a lot of things. Don't click on the sponsored links. Scroll down <laughs> a little bit. Click on some other ones, but um, definitely get that checked out. Another thing I think that's really important for people going out to vote is to know where that they should be going to vote, or at least having an idea of the places that are available. Um, KJ, you know, or do you have a lot of options? Or are you are you limited there? I don't know. Um, <laughs> yep, I am the the model of an uninformed citizen. Uh, this is literally just uh, my older brothers tell me what the fork I should be doing to be voting. <laughs> well, good thing they have a thing called the internet where you can go look it all up. We have a lot of people telling us where to go <laughs> and when to go and and all that stuff. I mean, I even uh, I even ruined my first ballot actually, and by accidentally filled out my wife's ballot, so. I had to uh, um, <laughs> request a replacement, and uh, they sent it within two two days, actually. So after I made the request, it arrived two days later. So it was really quick, and we both got our replacements, and everything has been cast. So, But yeah, I was really impressed at how easy and quick that was. Um, it actually says it on the back of the envelope, even if there's a mistake or error, um, you know, go to this website. So, Nathan, did you know um, who you were voting for besides the the presidential election? I didn't. I, I always go through um, as much information as I can through different websites and uh, see who's standing for what and how long they've been on, you know, the, the thing. We, we have different things other than that. We have, you know, the assembly, uh, assemblymen and things like that. And we had three votes for the unified uh, Orange County school district. So there was, they actually split the district this year. So there was a new area. So, so, you know, I had to do some research on these people because I don't know anything about the school districts and the, the people who are on the board. So I had to go see what they were all about. And uh, so I did my research that way. Um, and same thing with the propositions. I mean, you hear about the propositions and you get 50,000 mailers in the <laughs> in the mail about yeah. vote for this one, vote for that one, or you get the phone calls. And so it's very misleading because you all the mailers look, oh, yeah, this sounds good. And then you get a mail mailer opposing it, and it goes, oh, wait, this sounds good, too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, uh, and so you really have to do your research to see who's, why they're talking about this and, you know, what what really is the is the key uh, um, points. Um, I just wanted to throw out, uh, back when the primaries were happening, uh, myself and some friends found uh, isidewith.com, which is a nonprofit bipartisan organization uh, where you can go and, like any good millennial, take a quiz, uh, and it's a really <laughs> long quiz, and it just it asks you a whole bunch of questions. I feel like the the responses are fairly nuanced, um, and then based on that, it matches you with candidates that you uh, pr- probably like ideologically side with. It doesn't really say a whole lot um, about like their track record as you know potential office holders or whatever, uh, or maybe it does, and I just haven't looked into it. But I think that I side with is a really great way to kind of think about the issues first and then align yourself with people instead of going mm-hmm. kind of the opposite way. And for me, uh, I think as a, as a Korean American adoptee who was recently made aware of minority status, uh, that was a really helpful 
tool because it, you know, I was able to think through a lot of things and, and I thought, I was like, okay, I know this is where I stand and this is where I stand and this is where I stand and this is what I believe. But then I came to some questions that um, I found myself butting up against what I was raised in. So uh, being raised in, in Dallas um, and just kind of Texas in general, like I feel like I was raised fairly Republican, fairly conservative, whatever, especially when things, you know, when it comes to the uh, economics or defense or like Mm -hmm. all that stuff. And then, uh, you know, I've grown up since I was born uh, and and become a a more (laughs) well-rounded. Every year I get older. exactly. (laughs) So uh, I've become a more well-rounded human being and and I think about things differently. And so once I like, it's a lot of questions that you can go through, but when I dug deep and found those uh, later ones, I was like, oh, I have some some thinking and, and some re-identifying to do with myself uh, just because of all of that and, and the amount of change that I had done, you know? And so it was a good tool for me to think about like, okay, so I think about myself differently and then th- this is then how I kind of take my beliefs and and follow them to their logical conclusion into my political being, not just my own, like how I self-identify. And that's, that's good. I mean, the whole fact of actually exploring that and, like you said, taking a little quiz, finding out which, uh, which things are more important to you and, and, and finding which sides you, you, know, you like, which candidates you like, I think that's very important because a lot of people do not know which side they stand on. And I feel they're, they're being persuaded by social media or by just friends or family or neighbors. And I think everyone should really learn to um, find their own voice and find what is important to themselves. Uh, first before listening to other people so yeah, it's really hard right now too just because like you said nathan there's a lot of other influencing things that are showing you stuff that you may think you want to see you don't know that you don't want to see that so it's nice to know that there are resources like what was it uh i stand with i side with dot i side with dot com um like that uh i think i'm gonna hop on there just to see kind of what comes up when i take that quiz how long was the quiz uh it's long and because I mean, it goes through everything. And I was like, right. like, like I said, I was just like, oh, I've never thought about these things before. And so, you know, you get like the yes, the no, the like, yes, but or no, but you know, and like, it's, it's fairly nuanced. And then, you know, you can like stop at some point and they'll just be like, here's what it matches up. Or you can just keep going until you run out of questions, you know? Um, and so I was like, I got nothing better to do in March because, you know, COVID. Right. And I was like, yeah, whatever. I'll just, I'll just do this deep dive. And so it was really interesting to go through that. And like I said, it really made me wrestle with that. And the fact that it then says like, here are your beliefs and here's where you stand for the president, for your governor, for like state, like, you know, state officials, local officials, even, um, that it's really good. And I, and I think too, like, I'm always like, you know, nope for president. <laughs> right. Like I would love I to have you. Leslie Nope for president, but also I would love to have Leslie Nope for my local officials and my state officials. Exactly. And that like, mm-hmm. like for me in my particular point of life, uh, the president feels like a very far away thing. And like, obviously the, the office of the president has a lot of power, but like in the way that my life is shaked out, he doesn't actually have that much effect over my day-to-day life. But like my state officials, my local officials, mm-hmm. they do really deeply affect my day-to-day life, you know? And so being yeah. able to take a quiz that's ideology first and political views first and then find candidates to say, okay, here's how you can match it up. Even if you're thinking about voting third party, that may be more influential. Like, you know, if, if voter turnout is really bad for presidential presidential elections, it's even worse for local elections, I'm sure. And so like, if you believe in third parties and you really want there to be more than a two party system in America, like local officials can be a really great way to get into that, you know, and, and, and that can sure. be uh, a good way to 
affect change for um, what you think is the best for the most people, you know, like kind of in your sphere of influence? It's just a great way to start. Mm-hmm. Like you, it's so hard to figure out where to just start that journey, yeah. uh, especially at the local level. Like you get all the news about uh, about like the what's going on in D.C. with mm-hmm. president, with the president, with the Senate, with the House. You know, and um, I don't think unless you're really tuned in to your local news. Like I subscribe to the Indy Star, and I just started doing that because I'm like. I don't get enough any local news outside of my own eyeballs and earballs, you know? So um, I do think, yeah, I, I appreciate you harping on the importance of that local level, you know, these officials just getting to know because it's, it's really tough to get started. And if you, if you can even find one resource that can point you in a direction, you know, go yeah. for it. And the local level, like you said, has a lot of influence on your day to day too, more so than sometimes the president. So finding out what they're voting on, what they're, you know, Making you do and what they're making you not do is kind of important, especially if you have kids or if you got, you know, have to go to school or, you know, even simple things like finding, uh, uh, like when I got, uh, you know, some energy rebates and things like that. Like I was really appreciative of the measures that they pushed for more, you know, conservation and stuff. So that, that, uh, helped me out, <laughs> uh, you know, put some money in my pocket. So I was happy about that, but yeah, so <laughs> Uh, you know, moral of the story, get out there and vote. And know, vote for your... more than just the president. Yeah, yeah. Yes. vote for more than president. Find about uh, your local stuff. Just well, learn as much as possible. Your voice, your voice, this is your time. So, Especially with one week left, I will, I will again plug isidewith.com because if you don't know anything about your local officials, that's a great way and a great resource to go learn about them quickly. If you're going to go wait in line, then you probably have four hours to take that quiz. <laughs> yeah. So just take the quiz and learn before you, and then you'll be, it'll be fresh in your mind when you get up to the box. So, and yep. It's not a perfect resource, but it's a great place to start. <laughs> I go to Ballotpedia just for the informational stuff. It doesn't really have, uh, um, you know, it, it pretty much just has what's on your ballot and, mm-hmm. and information about that. Mm-hmm. Who's siding with it? Who's not siding with it? What happens? What does it mean to vote for yes or vote no? Because sometimes they really word these things you know, um, very confusingly, like a, a yes vote repeals it or, a, you know, vetoes it. And no, I mean, there's all these things that, that change based on how you're voting it. Some people think the yes vote is, is a good thing when they actually was the no vote that they wanted. Right. right. So definitely go check out uh, Ballotpedia as well, just to um, get some uh, insight. For example, I found out today that the Mississippi is changing or is on the ballot to change their state flag. And uh, Rhode Island is on the ballot to change the name of their state from Rhode Island and the Providence Plantations. <laughs> They're trying to change it to Rhode Island only. So there's there's some interesting measures out there. So, And if you're one of our global listeners, thanks for hanging with us. Uh, yeah. We're going to get to the interview now. <laughs> <If you're>... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um... yeah, we do have a really great guest on today. Um, she is our... I call I like to call her our first organic fan, um, <laughs> the per- first person who reached out to us naturally uh, to come onto the show. Um, she's a nurse. She's an Oregonian, and these are all things that we're going to learn about. Uh, very cultured person. Um, we welcome Melody Lords to the show. So stick around uh, after the break. We're going to talk with her. Bum, 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 bum. We are here with Melody Lords today. Melody, thank you for joining us. How are you doing? Good. How are you guys? Great. 
I've been better. My allergies are really bad. (laughs) And they only, like, they were fine earlier today, and then as we got closer to recording time, it was like, hey, this is going to be a really tough one for you. And I was like, why, body? Uh, What did you say back? Or what did it say back? Nothing. It just sent sent a swarm on to you. A swarm of allergies. I hate those. All right, well... We'll leave you to your allergies, KJ. Whenever you want to jump back in, we will welcome you Golly, back in. Golly, thanks. <laughs> It'll be okay because you'll just edit all your sneezes out. So, <laughs> Well, this is a great, great start to the interview. Probably most one of the most fun starts that I've ever had. So we're already <laughs> off or we're already off to a good start. Um, Melody, thank you again for joining us. Um, to kick off these interview sections like we always do, I want to mm-hmm. ask you to just Give us a little bit of brief background on your adoption story and growing up uh, where you grew up at. Sure. Um, so kind of to go back before I was adopted, my my parents had four, as we would put it at my house, homegrown children, and they were all boys. And I think it was my parents' pastor at the time. They were about to adopt a little girl from South Korea, too. And my dad comes home, and my mom's crying on the bed, and my dad asks her, what's going on? And she was she picks up this dress that she had gotten. She had a hope chest, and she was, like, going through it to give clothes to the pastor's wife because she has four boys. She's never going to use these little girls' clothing. And she's crying there on the bed and being like, we're never going to have someone to put these in. And my dad just, without losing a step, was like, well, we could adopt and After that, they went down the process of adopting my sister from Seoul. And then I think like I've heard many times from other Korean adoptees, they realized that they really wanted my sister to have one, a sister, but also a sibling who could relate to her. And so um, two years later, they adopted me and I was from uh, Pohong, which is near um, Pusan. Um, But yeah. Oh, I was also adopted from Holt International, which I wanted to ask you guys, is that like the same thing as other adoption agencies under a different name? Because I feel like I've heard Holt be attached to like other adoption agencies that were under a different name and I just didn't recognize it. And I wasn't sure if that was not true or true. I would I thought I'd ask the experts. Not experts. I don't know about experts. I want to go on record about. I don't questioning the expert label. Appreciated, but uh, just want to step in there. I don't appreciate it. I want people to at me like, "Hey, you're that's true. Like, no, that's a good point. Not. That's a good point. That's completely wrong, KJ. <laughs> I'm so dumb. Um, so for me, KJ I was. was yeah. Oh, go ahead. Because <laughs> KJ was adopted. Please answer Holtz. for me. Oh, yes. right, right, right. So right. he would be the the expert (laughs) well so technically for me and like my sister and i we were adopted through on the state side it's called bethany christian services but it was holt i guess they liaised through um to do that even though bethany has their own like adoption service so like i've just started recently inquiring about getting records and stuff from them and i don't know They've asked me for stuff, but I don't know if they now go to Holt and ask them for stuff or if they're technically like a subsidy of Holt. I don't know. But I'm assuming that there's a lot of overlap with them. That's my expert answer, which is I don't know how expert it is. (laughs) I'll also say growing up in Portland, because I was that I feel like at least in the 80s and maybe I don't know if you guys agree with this or not. I felt like in the 80s, there was this like huge um, 
South Korean adoption, um, just like inundation into Oregon, Elise. And when I heard you guys talking on another episode about, is it Minnesota known as the um, land 10,000 adoptees or whatever, the land yeah. of 10,000 adoptees? I always thought Oregon was like the center of adoption because I thought that's where hmm. Holt was started. Interesting. Yeah. That's something we're going to have to look into. Unless you guys know. I do know that it was started in Oregon. Oh, okay. Because that was like back in the 50s, right? Or right after the yeah. Korean War. Yeah. Story on it. We've actually wanted to get somebody on here from Holt. Um, because yeah. they do have a very large family. Uh, and uh, uh, lots of people involved. Lots of adopted children as well uh, within their own family. So I always thought that would be good to get somebody on there just to get a little backstory about the company itself and and what they were involved in and what they're even currently doing now, I guess. But um, but mm-hmm. KJ, you you were adopted through Holt. Do you know much about it? Uh, I read a whole book about it when I was younger, and I remember almost none of it. So, <laughs> okay. like I said, zero percent expert. <laughs> Thank you for your input. Uh, yep, it was. Uh, I sounded much more eloquent when you were answering for me. Uh, <laughs> I was adopted through uh, Dylan, so I don't know much about other than from what I've read as well. So, so. And at, at one point, I know that the Korean government made regulations where there had to be a Korean uh, gov- uh, a Korean company involved in the adoptions. Um, so Holt and Dylan and and all these other companies from the United States had to collaborate and have some sort of contracts or. Um, subsidiaries of, with these other companies that were Korean owned for it to, to work out legally. So a lot of the times, it, I think the, the other companies in Korea, uh, you'll hear a different names. You won't actually probably hear like Holt or Dylan. You'll hear like Eastern um, and other things like that. So, um, but uh, yeah. We so all have different pieces sure. of the puzzle and we can just each one yeah. throw something out. We put it together and then we have <laughs> come the, together we have the information. <laughs> We're like Voltron. We're like Voltron. We come together and form a greater whole. I like nice. it. Nice. Um, but that's what we do on the show, too. We learn. So that was a good... That was. A, I like that. I like where we just went with that. And thank you for asking. Thank you for turning it around and asking us. You know, it, 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 it spurs that deeper conversation. So you talked a little bit about having, you know, your four homegrown, homegrown brothers. Um, and then also having an adopted sister. Um you might have said, and I'm sorry if I missed it, but you might have said um, your approximate or your proximity and age to them. Um, mm-hmm. And the reason I'm asking this question is because I know KJ's parents, they had two kids of their own, but their proximity was very distant. So that, it, that informed uh. the relationship a little bit. I was wondering how the proximity and age to your or to your or your step half Brothers, they're right. You're right. Home they're brothers, homegrown, homegrown brothers. I'm just wondering how that proximity in age, if that played a role in the relationship that you had with them. So I think most of us are about two years apart. My sister, so my sister and my the youngest brother, um, they're less than two years apart. They're about like mm. 15 months apart. And I know growing up, they were really close, just because you know, similar to. I think that Rebecca talked about this in her in her podcast episode because you guys were in school together, really. And honestly, I think being in school really does kind of dictate how close you are to your siblings when you're in that school age. 
Um, and so my sister and the youngest boy, Paul, they were really close. They like did so much together. They even like traveled together. And um, to this day, I think that they are um, between, I guess, brother and sister. Um, they're the closest. Whereas myself, I think because I was the youngest and I don't know if any of you are youngest, but when everyone's left the home, you kind of change from being the child to being kind of like the roommate. And my parents very quickly signed off on me on being my being just like by myself. Like they didn't teach me to drive. They were like, we taught five other kids. We're not teaching you to drive. So my second oldest brother taught me how to drive. And so, and I think that just because of the way our upbringing was in the sense of like my two oldest brothers had already left, gone to college when I was still in like, high school and then they moved back in it was that time where they moved back in to save money to find a to so they could buy a better place type of thing and so my second oldest brother Glenn and I we became friends then and we we stayed friends like he was in my wedding party as one mm. of my he was like my bridesman I don't know what you would mm-hmm. call that but, nice. yeah. but yeah I like it yeah so I think that like for my sister and my brother's relationship like theirs was so much based off of like being close all through school. Whereas like my brother Glenn and I are eight years apart. And I think we more just became close through um, him moving back into our house. But honestly, like I was raised very, very Christian and my brother Glenn and I are probably the only ones who aren't Christian anymore in my family. Hmm. And that was actually like coming out, coming out, um, telling my mom what I didn't believe anymore was probably a huge part of my adulthood. So that was, mm. that's also a reason why I feel like I'm very close to my, my brother Glenn is because he very much also supported me on my, uh, I guess my religious spiritual pathway. Yeah, that's a, it's a tough conversation to have. I've had a similar conversation and, but it was more like small conversations that built up to that. And then it is something that you kind of always revisit, I think, for me at least, um, where it's no, always... No, no, mine was terrible. Mine was absolutely <laughs> terrible. No. My mom asked me on Mother's Day of all days. She's oh, like... Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. And so hmm. my sister like, gives me a really hard time about that. Me. I know. I was... My sister's like, why do you do that on Mother's Day? I was like, she cornered me. I, oh. And... I, my mom and I are very close. Like my friends say, it's really weird. Like I told her the first time I kissed a boy. I told her like the first time I like broke up with someone. I told her the first time of everything. And I'm very, very close. And my mom told me once she's like, I feel like you feel like you can't lie to me. And I was like, yeah, I I really don't feel like I can. And she was like, Uh okay. Like, she was, she's very happy about that. <laughs> Welcome to my interrogation room. Yeah. <laughs> Please take a seat. Who needs a light detector now? I feel like you can't lie. Here we go. <laughs> right. Who needs an omniscient god when you have my yeah. mom? You know? Exactly. Um, so you had a list. So you had a pretty good relationship then growing up with your family? Or... Oh, yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. I would uh, literally say it was like... If I could do a movie or cartoon, it'd be all in gold light. Like, I felt like I had a very golden childhood. Like, we lived in the country. We had cows. Like, we could climb trees. We were, I felt like, a very good childhood growing up. I like that. Had cows, (laughs) climbed trees. Those are two things that I for sure know about for being from the country That's not a mental journey that I expected. (laughs) We had cows. We also climbed trees. I was like, what? What? 
<laughs> I expected like goats or chickens. Not exactly. We also climbed trees. I don't know. The thing I think that I will all say, cows love to do. I will say Oregon is what I think a lot of people imagine. Um, I think that people imagine a lot of nature, a lot of mountains and trees. And that is really true. Like, um, like I said, living in Japan, we called it a concrete forest because there was no nature. It was all concrete. Whereas Oregon is this like, I think the state where they were like, we want to keep the trees around. We're going to, we're going to build our towns and our cities around nature also. So very cool. So you just talked about, you said that you lived in Japan. Yeah. Yeah. Two and a half years. Oh, okay, cool. So I want to get to that. But one of the things that I want to talk about was what something my, you said that you related a lot. Uh, We talked before um, we came on here. You said that you related a lot to what my sister said something that she talked about was growing up being very drawn to Japanese culture as opposed to mm-hmm. Korean culture, like item or cultural items. Um, and I saw in your guest form that you had said that you loved Japanese culture as well. I was wondering kind of what drew you to that initially. And I feel like maybe potentially informed your decision to live in Japan. So I was just wondering what that was like for you. So I, I grew up in a small town. Like I think there was, the town I first grew up in, there was maybe a thousand people. Like it was very country, very rural. Like I think people would say there'd be, there was more sheep than people type of thing. (laughs) And, um, and for me, when it came to culture, like I'll say the broader Asian culture, uh, it was mostly what my mother brought in or what I would see through the TV, but even the TV, like, um, someone, Oh, I think someone brought up Nickelodeon. Like we didn't have Nickelodeon growing up. We had one of those TVs where you had to change the channel by like cranking <laughs> Same. it. Um, and so for me, you know, the limited amount of Asian culture was mostly Japanese or Chinese. And most of the Chinese culture was the one Chinese restaurant in town that we used to go to, <laughs> and which was the only Asian cuisine, cuisine mm-hmm. in town. Yeah. And um, but was it like deeply Chinese or was it like American Chinese? It was American Chinese. <laughs> okay, great. Like it so. was so American Chinese. Like the wontons were this big, and it was like. <laughs> and that's how, where was... Panda Express started. So <laughs> exactly, and I will say I still really love that restaurant. It was still one I, of my I, favorite I, ones to go to. I, I um, hear you. I love that type of Chinese food too. <laughs> it's definitely my guilty pleasure. I'm just like, yeah, I know. Yeah, I can get down with this. The first time I had real Chinese food, because one of my roommates was Australian Chinese and her mom came and visited us in Japan. I was like, this isn't, none of this is fried and none of it is in heavy sauce. Like how is, this is not Chinese food. And my roommate was like, I know my roommate was like, Melody, stop being racist. I was like, oh, sorry. I was like, it's what Uh, I grew up with. All I know is My friends give me a hard time all the time when we're like, I love P.F. Chang's. They're like, what? No respecting Asian likes P.F. Chang's. (laughs) They go, oh, wait, you're not Asian. <laughs> like, oh, you yeah. only like white meat then. I will I, say I this, though. I get snobby about Japanese food because of living in Japan. Like, when people tell me they like ramen and they they take me to their favorite ramen place, I'm like, eh, it's okay. It's not bad. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Like, I'm like, I'm very picky about ramen, I will say. But, um, but oh, but, you know, like simple things, like not growing up, I think the things that like the show and other things that I've fallen upon since, um, you know, COVID, because I feel like a lot of my processing being um, Korean American and being a Korean American adoptee is, you know, 
being able to see people like me, being able to, you know, have representation. And I remember being that little kid and my mom for Christmas, like she was so excited because I don't know if you guys would pick up on this reference, but do you remember the Christie Barbie doll? Maybe. <laughs> mm, no, I'm not sure. So basically like probably in the late eighties, early nineties, like Barbie came out with their first like kind of Asian ethnic doll oh. and her name was Christie and she was from Hawaii and my mom was so excited because all the other Barbie dolls were basically just blonde, blue-eyed, or, you know, <laughs> Caucasian. And she was so excited that she went and got my sister um, these dolls for Christmas. And so I feel like the reason why I was drawn to Japan was so much of the small cultural things I could pick up on that were... Uh, you know, Asian were Japanese anime or, you know, there was a Japanese um, food store my mom would go to because my mom would try to like bring in Korean food. Like I remember my mom making bulgogi and like making bibimbap and that type of stuff. And she would also, they would sell books. And so she would buy um, children's books for us. Like I remember the story about the prince and the princess who met, you know, over the Milky Way and stuff like that. Very cool. What's your what's your favorite piece of Japanese either media or culture or something that really stuck with you that's that that from those beginning periods of of coming across that? My favorite thing about Japanese media or culture, I think, is their way of seeing the world in the sense of I think that because Japan is so um, modernized in the sense of like these big cities, like not just Tokyo, but Osaka and um, you know, everything's become very digital over there, that they truly do have this huge respect for like nature and for life and for, you know, the value in everything that can breathe. And so living there, even though it's all concrete, everyone's like patio or um, balcony is like flourishing with like green plants, like they'll have their own little potted garden. And, um, and as much as it's like become very, um, you know, city like every little borough you lived in had a um, natural um, grocer so a farmer who would come and bring his farmers growth or I'm not you know not just him but like all the local farmers would come together and bring their produce to sell and I really appreciated that like I really appreciated how much they still saw value in um in the earth and something that I actually saw kind of funny when I first went but now I'm like oh it's really special is um, they do these things where you could pay like 100 to $200 in the city and they would bus you out to the countryside and you would go and pick like mm. blueberries or strawberries or persimmons and they would feed you or maybe you would have an onsen or all these other mm. things attached to it. Um, but I really like that. At first I was like, wow, you're paying $150 to pick blueberries? Yeah. Like, <laughs> whoa. I was like, right? there is a market in Oregon for this. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. It's like a it's it's a farmer's field trip. Yeah, kind of cool. It is, but it's because you know because the city is so big now and nature is so far away, seemingly to them that you know it is worth it to pay to go and have those experiences with your children. Sure. So while you were in Japan, um, you were out there for two years. At during that time when you were there, did you start to? be more immersed into the Korean culture since you were closer? Is that something that uh, you looked for specifically while you were there? I think that, you know, growing up, I was that Korean kid um, who really 
really kind of rejected her Korean side. Like, I really didn't, you know, when I decided to go to Japan to teach English, um, I had a bunch of people be like, well, why aren't you going to South Korea? And I kid you not, I was like, why would I go there? And they were like, well, you know, you're Korean adopted. And I was, I I never... And I well, just, it, it was you like, know. it was just like <laughs> over know. my head, everywhere. like you know. over my head. And it wasn't until this year that I realized, oh, that's why those people asked me that question. <laughs> like, I'm adopted from Korea. Well, duh. Why didn't I go teach English in Korea? But I think that for me, like so much of, you know, my rejection from like truly rejecting Korean culture was... I just didn't see, I just didn't get it when I went to Japan. I I was not in the mind space. I just, I just thought, oh, I love the culture. Like I looked at it as a white person. Like I was like, Mm -hmm. well, I just like the Japanese culture. I like the language. I like the food Um, that I never even thought about. I didn't even know this is how much I knew about like Japanese, Korean and Chinese relationships. Like I had no idea until I went to Japan that they had like this terrible relationship, like in the back in, in history. Mm-hmm. And I had people, I met a Korean Japanese woman and she was like, Oh, are people treating you? Okay. And I was like, yeah, why? And she was like, I, she's like, Oh, growing up, you know, I would be teased, I would be made fun of, like, because a lot of it, she said, was centered around, you know, kimchi and like her food and that people teased her about smelling, smelling mm-hmm. bad because of that. And I told her, you know, for me, my own experience was I, I only had good experiences, I could speak Japanese pretty fluently and with a good accent. And so I actually um, never had any type of issue with that over there. No one was like, you're Korean. No, I never <laughs> had that. <laughs> That's nice. It's nice when people don't just shout in your face that that's what you are. I really, I really respect. I really respect people when they're not just shouting. You're Korean. I know. I will tell you this weird out of body experience I had though in Japan because I don't know if any of you can really like if you spent enough. Like for me, it was one of the first times. I mean, I went to Korea, but not for very long when I was mm-hmm. in high school with my family. But in Japan, being surrounded by people who looked like me for that long, I remember, and the weird thing was, both my roommates and my friends were all Asian over there, um, but they were from other countries. So one was from England, one was from um, Australia, um, actually two were from England. But anyways, either way, we were all sitting on the train and kind of the politeness of the culture is to not talk, not be on your cell phone, you know, don't eat those types of things. Hmm. And so we're sitting there quietly and we started what an hearing. Odd train ride. Yeah, that's what I was just thinking. <laughs> it's just like the optics of that as an American, you're like, don't talk and also don't look at your phone. Like, what but else not, to not do? even just that. They found the it window? A, they were so polite that when you're reading a book, it's typically covered. You have like a paper covering around it so as not to be rude. Or a privacy. Like, it's a privacy thing too. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Okay. That's like and with the so, drinking culture in Korea. You cover your drink when you're when you're going <laughs> to take a drink in front of older people. I get it. So we were sitting there being polite, you know, following the customs of Japan, and we hear. And I will say this: 
people who speak English speak very loud when they're visiting other mm-hmm. countries. True. So we were sitting there and、Guilty. we hear these people speaking really loud English, and we're like, we're like, oh, we're like looking around, looking around, and we all spot them at the same time. And it was this group of like of Asian people speaking, and we we all look at each other at the same time. And we're like, they're Asian. <laughs> <laughs> and we all just like start laughing because we realize, oh, we're all Asian too, and we speak English fluently. And yeah, it was were a really were, funny moment. Were the people that you were with? They weren't also adopted, though, were they? No, but they're、okay. um, they were uh, they were born in their the countries they lived in. So they right, were right, born right. in England or born in Australia. So. That is amazing. I also think、That's、it's、really、amazing、fun. that we've had back to back hilarious train stories on <laughs> on the show. So in back to back episodes, so I know we're doing something right. You guys can think about that. Go back, go check out episode ten, and、uh, and see what I'm talking about there.、Um, So that's really cool, and I feel like we bounced from one point to to Japan and back and forth. So I want to know before we get into the main thrust of what I'm.、Uh, Hoping that we talk about is how you go from, you know, discovering this culture and and growing up in Oregon to Japan. Like, what what actually took you out there, and what was what were you doing out there, and then what kind of brought you back? So I think that honestly, one of the main reasons I wanted to live in Japan was so growing up, my grandma and grandpa were missionaries to Papua New Guinea, and so you know at an At a very young age, I celebrated Christmas in like Thailand, New Zealand, Papua,、um, and it just had instilled into me this like you know、uh, heart for travel and international travel specifically.、Um, and my senior my senior year of college, I had the opportunity of doing a photography.、Uh, Kind of pra- not practicum, but capstone in Japan.、Um, I was able to spend three months of my、um, college semester there, and that really ignited that、um, love of the culture, and, and more so wanting to live internationally. I think I saw the value of. I think that part of it being, you know, looking different than my whole family, practically, and living in this town where, you know, the only other people who looked like me were. Were typically adopted. Also,、um, it made me just like want to live in another country and see how they lived. And you know, coming from that, I do think it's really important, and I think it's a valuable、um, experience to experience life outside of America. I think sometimes as Americans, we can get very myopic in our viewpoints.、Mm-hmm. Yes, and、okay. I think that you know. Whatever experiences we can have in other cultures will just help us broaden our viewpoint and see that you know, you know, one path may lead, you know, one path may work for you, but another path might work better for another person, and it doesn't make it better or worse. It's just different.、Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely.、Exactly. So, having that experience now, and then you come home and you're doing what you do now, and then also looking back on your growing up, and you talked about. You know, rejecting that Korean part of yourself, of your identity, which I feel like is something I can relate to, and I know that that other adoptees can relate to as well.、Um, mixing those things together and taking that whole like congregation of experiences, what has now prompted you this year, or why was now the right time to start looking into that? 
you know, after having all of these other experiences, what made now or what prompted you to start this journey? So can I tell a story from when I was a kid first? That kind Absolutely. Of... No. <laughs> <laughs> okay, KJ, I will. No. Hey, easy allergy, man. <laughs> I want to share why I kind of, um, kind of the instigatory reason why I rejected my Korean side. Um, so when I was younger, do you guys remember the... the Wow. Oh. And you call me out? Yeah, no. Oh, sorry. I thought I muted. I swear to, I swear I thought you I muted my definitely mic. Did I'm not so that's sorry. really funny. I'm no, so that means sorry. that's unfortunate because so uh Zencaster uses voiceover. Well, my IP interface and, is like, like blacked out so, like, and I don't want to touch it and like lose everything that I'm doing right sure. now. So I'm like I can just mute on the actual on the software really and it'll funny. be good. But it did not it was not good. It was bad. Oh, my, mm-hmm. my apologies. Please continue. So <laughs> Do you guys remember the talk show? And my, I'm, I will say this because I will say my mom will probably listen to this. I was not allowed to watch this show. I was watching it when I was somebody going to get in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> and actually, as much as my mom thought I couldn't hide things from her, I definitely could. Um, but you'll be getting Mor- a call later, <laughs> <laughs> right? Maury po- Povich is it? Maury Povich. Yep. Oh yeah. Is it? Oh yeah. So I secretly, show. yeah, I secretly was watching an episode of that, and it just happened to be on adoptees and it just happened to be on adoptees meeting their biological parents and the relationship that that had for them and what stuck out to me was this one girl and it wasn't transracial so it was it was all different types of adoptees but um what stuck out to me was this one girl who came on the show because she had met her biological mother but the relationship side of it was very complicated and she didn't know how to handle that her biological mom wanted to have more of a motherly relationship than she wanted like for her she felt like um you know she had a mom that that wasn't why she was necessarily wanting to meet her biological mother and for me I think I was an early teen maybe you know 12 or 13 watching that I was like that looks like the worst that looks terrible I don't ever want to deal with that I don't ever want Mm -hmm. to have that be And I think part of me, because, and I'm sure you guys have heard this or possibly felt it, but, you know, my parents never said anything to the effect of being like, you know, you need to reject your, you're not Korean, you know, they never said that. Like, my parents are very supportive. And, you know, if anything, my mom was trying to draw that out of us more so than, you know, us you know, at one point they asked us if they, we wanted to meet our biological parents and we both were like, no, no, we have our parents. Like, we don't we don't need to do that. And mm-hmm. um, I think that. I think that for me, so much of not wanting to look into my Korean side was based off of this, like, false identity of feeling like if I reject my Korean, then it means I'm more loyal to my my adoptive parents and so you know from a very young age um it was really weird I like I have really vivid dreams and so this is a really weird story but all the way up until I went to Santa Barbara which is the most diverse place this is the first diverse place I moved to um Mm -hmm. as an adult I dreamt that I was a white woman like Hmm. my dream self was a white woman and I remember distinctly like going to college and meeting all these like people um 
you know, all these people from all different backgrounds. You know, I remember meeting this, these people from Spain. I remember meeting these people from um, Japan and just like this very um, diverse culture coming from Oregon, which I don't know if you know, but Portland is the whitest city in America. And so if, if Portland is the whitest city, well, you can imagine what their suburbs are like or what the countryside is like. Right. And so going from that to Southern California, that actually has a very rich and diverse Asian population, um, was very culture shock for me. And I felt very mm-hmm. much like part of me was like, oh, I really want to meet more Asian people. But then another part of me was like, you know, oh, you're going to trick them. They're going to think you're Asian, but you're not really. Asian. <laughs> and I know like, that. I had these experiences where I would meet these people and they'd be like, they would talk about these racialized experiences that they'd have. And I would just nod there, be like, oh yeah. uh And in my head, I was like, I don't know what they're, they they would talk about (laughs) more. So they would talk about things like, oh yeah, my mom got mad at me because I got an A minus. And I was like, my mom would be so happy if I got an A minus. I couldn't identify with them. And so on some ways, because I wanted to, I just was like, oh, yeah, moms, they're rough. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that sounded like a statement came right out of my sister's mouth. Even the way you yeah. said it was like my sister. That was crazy. It was like, whoa. <laughs> so it was just like um, this this very identity difference. And what, coming back, not to, you know, go off on a tangent, but like to come back to like what made me kind of uh, finally face, you know, being Korean and being Asian um, was um, so I'm really into disc golf, which is another Oregon thing. I think actually okay. California has a lot of disc golf, um, but I really and if you don't know what it is, it's basically golf, but we use discs, and each disc is just like frisbees. a club. Weighted frisbees, <laughs> not ultimate frisbees. I wasn't even going to say it's anything. not ultimate. I, yeah. Yeah. No, no, no. But I like, played so disc golf. My uh, sure one you of my did, coworkers, cool guy. <laughs> one of my coworkers just like super got into disc golf and I give him a lot of crap for it but that's like one of those things you're like a disc golfer is going to say discs a lay person is going to say oh you play with frisbees but it's weighted frisbees it's like a whole thing yes. you can have a whole set yeah. of discs just like you can have a whole set of clubs. I just thought that you know, I should clarify that. You know, I like to really that. round out my nerdiness. You know, start with anime, you know, Japanese culture, disc golf. Like, it's all in that nerdy realm. And um, <laughs> and after the, after the murder of George Floyd, you know, there was this whole outbreak in, like, in this uh, social, cultural awareness of what it means to be a minority, I think. And it, it obviously, um, I think, hit a lot of people and um, really awakened a lot of people to what it means to be a minority in America, or not even in America, what it means to be a minority in a white majority. And for me, I became very present online with the disc golf community. Um, I think that uh, I can identify with Rebecca. I'm very brash. I have the confidence of a white woman. And I think that... You have an inner Karen, even if you're not Karen presenting. Right. Except when you say Karen, Karen. Yeah. And and I think that, you know, I made all these connections with other minority disc golfers because we felt like the disc golf community, which is very, very, very male white dominant, uh, was not 
responding to the call. We felt like they weren't stepping up where the um, moment was challenging them to meet. And so I met this um, Korean American guy from New York City, and we just started talking about the issues. And he was like, oh, you're adopted. And I was like, yeah. And he tells me this story about how after his, so his parents immigrated here from Korea and how they had difficulty, you know, getting pregnant and they had him and they really wanted to have more children. And so they wanted to adopt. And, you know, he said that they went to try to adopt, um, they wanted to adopt a Korean child and they went to try to adopt and they couldn't afford it. And that just like broke my heart. Like, I think that, you know, when he told me that I didn't react right away, I just was like, oh, that's interesting. And then I think probably like three or four days later, I just started crying because I realized that there was this lie inside of me that I was believing that no one told me this lie. It was my own lie. And I think it was this, this way of feeling like I could accept who I was, was that I thought that Koreans didn't want Korean children. And I, I had this lie where I inside of me, I was like, oh, I was adopted by white American people because Korean people don't want their Korean orphans or their Korean children. And when he told me that kind of my world shattered a little and I realized, you know, not that my life was it wasn't all of a sudden that I was like, ah, you know, how could my parents do this to me? Not at all. Like I was so I I was still very, you know, grateful for my childhood and I love my family and my parents, but it did make me realize, you know, um if this belief, this core belief that I had growing up with wasn't true, then what other lies had I been telling myself that were not necessarily true either? And so that kind of made me go down the route. And I, I forget, I think one of you posted a, or on some Asian community Instagram, someone posted, you know, how did you find us? Like, what are you hashtagging? What are you looking for? And I literally had, this is how I found John Chi Show. I literally hashtag Korean adoptee, Korean American adoptee you know, transracial mm-hmm. adoptee. I just like looked up those things on Instagram. I'm not on Facebook, so I don't know how they do it there, but that's literally how I found your guys' podcast. So so yeah, I think that that's kind of where it brought me to um, just like looking more into how I identify as a Korean American, how I identify as an adoptee and a transracial adoptee. And, you know, that was probably the second hardest conversation with my mom ever being was me telling her, you know, um, I'm having a hard time with this and I'm looking into my adoption. It doesn't mean I'm looking into meeting my um, biological um, parents, but that, you know, that there is a lot of rejection and guilt um, still inside of me, even though I think up until a few months ago, I was pretty I was semi-oblivious. I wouldn't say I was fully oblivious, but I was pretty, you know, I put it all into a box and didn't really look into it. Um, first off, thank you for sharing your story um, and for going to a place uh, of, of emotional honesty and vulnerability. Um, I think you bring just the, the, the courage and bravery to do that brings a lot of value to the show. So thanks. And I, I really identify with a lot of your journey. I remember specifically when I was, uh, you know, 16 or so kind of giving up 
quote unquote, on my Korean identity. Um, and I think maybe in the same way that you dreamed that you were a white girl for however long, I think there's a part of me that was like, it's easier to assimilate uh, because I've already been rejected, if you will, um, by my Korean family for whatever reason. And I, I guess I'm considered special needs. I was a special needs adoption. And so like, I was like, oh, so maybe it's, it's tied into those things, you know, and whatever. No, 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 the, the family history or family situation for my Korean family. So it was easier for me to assimilate. It was easier for me to think about being just like, and I've said this before, like Texan or Christian or whatever, and just falling in line with my, with those parts of my identity. And then I think, yeah, there is a uniqueness post-George Floyd where all of us, because of COVID, were sitting at home. All of us were sitting on our phones. And so there was a, a unique moment that because of just the diaspora of media, um, George Floyd's death was such a flashpoint where everyone was looking. And I think that really, it woke a lot of uh, Asians up and kind of other minorities and, and especially other white people to be like, holy crap, this is still happening in America. And, you know, and so there was like this kind of heightened attention, right? Um, and somewhere along the way, uh, like I realized um, part of my own journey of, of this, uh, because this show was really, I think, born out of the three of our reaction to, or at least I think Patrick and I's reaction to George Floyd um, was that even though I don't think of myself as Korean, uh, the world still sees me as Korean. And part of the the beauty and the blessing of this show, um, and, and I think you coming on here because uh, this journey, uh, just from what you've been posting on Instagram, what you've been sharing with us, is so new to you, um, is that we are collectively realizing that even though we don't think of ourselves as, you know, the most Korean, uh, we are korean enough uh and we are asian enough uh and that that is is good and is valid and there's no um i think we have removed ourselves from being or at least i have removed myself from being a gatekeeper for how korean i get to be you know or how korean i have to be to feel like yeah no i'm, I'm actually korean and and for me to not feel dishonest anytime i try to speak korean and not feel embarrassed anytime i get my korean wrong or you know um, that there's a real uh, blessing in in that. So um, yeah, all that to say, thanks for coming on, and I enjoyed your story, and I really relate. No, there wasn't a question there. <laughs> Honestly, I was really nervous. I'm still nervous, but I'm really I was nervous because I was like, shit. Oh, sorry, crap. All the people they're having that on are like famous slash people they know. <laughs> and I like I even like was telling my friend last night, and she was like, why do they want you on? And I was like, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> so to that point, and to what KJ just to what to what KJ just said, I think to sum it up really beautifully, Melody, you coming on as our guest, um, and I don't think I had this realization until KJ just spoke so eloquently right there. I think it really is a full circle journey for all of us, all of us here, even Jerry sitting there silently, and especially for me. So I found Dear Asian Americans by just searching, by just going on and searching for something. And I found his podcast, eventually became a guest on his podcast, where Nathan and KJ were also guests, where we now have Jerry's like, let's put you guys together and do a show about adoptees. And now we're doing the show. And then we're trying to reach people, you know, we want 
we want to reach other adoptees that aren't just like the famous people or whoever, you know, we want to, we want to be able to share all the stories, but then you even said you found us because you searched the hashtag. So I feel like that really is kind of a full circle for me, at least. And, and for this journey to know that everything that we're, we're trying to do here with the show. And I think all of the stories for Korean adoptees specifically, and then all adoptees in general, the, this type of stuff and this type of content is important. Because if you would have searched that in August, you wouldn't have found our show. <laughs> you might have found one another adoptee show, and I'm, and there are a lot of good ones out there. But I really appreciate the fact that you give up, gave us the opportunity to come in and, and share your story and to share with us, especially like that profound moment of realization for you to even go on this journey. You know, that's a that's 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 an incredible story, and it might seem like a small moment to some, but as an adoptee specifically, like that's what my journey has been like. It's been this one moment, there's one moment or the, these couple moments that just happened and were flashpoints for me to go on this. So yeah, I don't have a question either. Thank you. Uh, I, figured, yeah. <laughs> I figured Nathan was about to jump in, but thank you again. Uh, I think the, the thing that's so, so wonderful about this is, um, you know, Melody, you're, I think, the first guest who we've had on the show that we haven't reached out to that you did find us. And in my experience, uh, and I'm sure Nathan Patrick can attest to this is like, we felt the same way guesting on Jerry's show as you uh, have expressed feeling <laughs> guesting on ours. Like, yes. Who are we that we would be guests on a podcast? <laughs> like being a guest on a podcast puts you on this pedestal. You're like, Oh, I have so many followers. <laughs> yeah, I have so right. many things yeah. to plug. And like, and so so the, the unique thing, right, about Jerry's show and that I think the heart of what we all experienced and wanted to continue is like, even though like, A, anyone can start a podcast and literally everyone is starting their own podcast. So <laughs> let's just like remove that. Like, it's cool. It's great. But like, that's like, that's like now most people yeah. are riding bikes or driving cars, you know, like it's not like that. It's not like we opened like a casino or something. Right. Yeah. No, no, but I want to say this is that like almost every episode has made me cry because every episode has had a moment where I'm like, oh, I felt that. Like I've experienced mm -hmm. that. Yeah. Like, I've been there. Like, and so I think that, you know, I love podcasts. And like you guys said, there's a lot of transracial adoptee podcasts out there, but there was never a podcast where. Oh man, I think you guys were talking about like, and it's silly stuff, not even like Korean stuff. You're like, what's your favorite Doritos? And I'm like, I want to answer this right now. And it is Cool Ranch. It is Cool Ranch. Oh, man, yes. spicy nacho. We haven't had the Dorito conversation in a few episodes. Uh, I remember Anyways. when she commented on it, I was like, yes, see, uh, Cool Ranch is good. And that's yeah. like literally like when you guys are talking on, not to just go off about your podcast, but there are moments where I'm like, oh, I wish COVID wasn't happening. Happening. I wish Jaunchi show could have like a Jaunchi get together and um, to me I'm like I would love to meet Rebecca I feel like so much of what she talked about I could identify like when she was like even her being like yeah I'm not really on Instagram I have like 100 followers I was like oh yeah me, me too me too <laughs> I was like that's the type of people I want to meet you know recluses who are Asian nerds that sounds awesome yeah I feel like you guys get along really well 100%. <laughs> I, I think the thing is like being adopted and being transracially adopted like there's a lot in our lives that innately just tells us whether it's ourselves it's the the lies or the half truths that we tell ourselves or just like the things that we experience it's just like that we are 
not enough or that someone devalued us. And so we had to be picked up by somebody else who decided they were going to value us. Right. Um, and so like you hear a lot, especially in America about like what family means or what family is supposed to mean. Right. And so, um, there's just like, I love that you're on the show because, uh, and for any future Korean adoptee who wants to be on the show, um, we are choosing you and we are valuing you and we want you here. Right. And that, that we, uh, this is a space where there is no translation. It's just like, oh, we get that. I've heard that. I've been there. Like if it's about your favorite Doritos flavor or your favorite uh, like 80s, 90s anime that you watched because that was all you had growing up or whatever that is, right? Um, and so we're, I mean, really just so grateful to um, to be able to amplify and hopefully build a small community around Korean adoptees and specifically like Korean American adoptees, right? That it's just, it's just so nice. Uh, and so just to, to have somebody on the show and to just be able to tell our own stories. Uh, yeah. It's just, it's our way of giving value and you being here, like Patrick said, gives value back to us. So um, yeah, still no questions. I'll let I you do go have, back to questions. I do have one. Patrick. Yeah, I got, I have one question. So <laughs> Uh, one more question before we move on to our next, uh, the next portion of the show, um, because I do feel like, you know, we've talked about it, we've we've covered a lot of stuff, and I do appreciate all the things that you've shared. I think that you've really touched on a lot of topics about, you know, kind of why you got to where you were, where you are now, or or where you were at a certain point, and what things poked through a little bit in in order for us to learn about how it how being an adoptee and how that part of your identity and the Korean part of your identity. And then, and then the initial foundational American part of your identity have all coalesced together. Um, and you're, and you came on here and you're meeting us in that same moment of time. Like we're doing the same things, learning at the same, well, for me, especially like I'm starting ground zero, knowing nothing, like trying to get, get a leg up on some of this stuff. So that leads me all to ask you this one final question before we dive into some even more fun, more fun conversation. Um, what is next for Melody on this journey of discovery? Um, what's next for me is um, kind of some things I think you guys have talked about. Like I'm, I decided to start learning Korean. And so I actually was doing that before. Um, nice. we, got, we talked and so I can speak conversational Japanese um, and I thought that that would be a kind of a leg up on Hangul but it's not it's it's very different it's, I feel like <laughs> I was gonna ask you that because I was like I feel like the Japanese sentence structure and Korean like the grammars are similar so but like is it like one of those things where it's it's too similar and that really trips you up no grammatically I have no problem with the grammatics because yeah you're right it's exactly the same sentence structure I have a problem with the vowels like hmm. like I have really? problems with the O versus O, and I have issues uh, with yeah. everything that's like A, 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 A. Like, I have the a four hard different time ways to get with all sound. the vowels sounding <laughs> the same. And so, um, and, and the teacher that I have right now, she went from ground zero too. So we didn't even start with like conversation. We started with alphabet and then, you know, the different ways of writing and, you know, like the consonant en endings. And so, it's so that's kind of not to go too in depth with my um, <laughs> Korean language learning, but that that's for is another a, show. 
Yes, that's a, that is part of um, that is part of it. I think that part of it too for me right now is is getting to know other Korean adoptees through through Instagram mostly to be honest and meeting other Korean Americans because I think for a long time I didn't have any Asian friends really right. um, before moving to Japan and so for me it's just being able to as KJ was saying be myself and not gatekeep my friendships too I think that for me I felt very much like uncomfortable with um like asian american people who were raised with like asian american parents um mm -hmm. because i didn't feel like i could identify with their kind of kind of like not to reference rebecca this whole time sorry but <laughs> but kind of to also go back to that whole like I don't identify with the feelity and right. the, like you know that type of thing like I it was another rejection thing for me growing up was being like oh well I would never make a good Korean partner like I never right. I never dreamt about getting married I got married when I was in my 30s I never imagined having a house I wanted to travel the world like for me so much of my identity as a Korean American person was so I felt divorced from what I and this is my own image issues is my image of what Korean American women should be like. Um, and so I think that for me, it's um, meeting more people because I think something that is kind of my mantra these days is, you know, we are not a monolith. Like I am not a Korean American adoptee monolith. You guys are not a monolith. Asian Americans are not a monolith. And I think for Americans, myself included, we very much want a cookie cutter. We want to make it easy. We want to mm -hmm. be like, okay, you're this. So we're going to put you here. You're this. We're going to put you here. And I think for me, the more Asian American, Korean American people I meet, the more I'm able to, you know, break down those walls and be like, no, like you're Korean American and you are your individual and you can be who you are. And I'm not going to make these preconceived ideas, you know, like one of the stupid things I thought, I thought all Japanese people must like fish. Nope, they don't. They don't even all like rice, you know? And so it's one of those things where I'm like, I really am just trying to immerse myself within the community. And I really hate that COVID is going on because I'm at this place, like you said, this like this uh, beginning of my journey. And like, I'm like, okay, I want to meet people. I want to meet people around here. There is a huge Korean American um, community in Oregon. And I cannot meet any of them because of COVID. <laughs> And so for me, I feel very, not stunted, but very much like just trying to reach out online as much as I can, because since I can't do that in person right now, it's the, the best way. And, you know, supporting um, Asian American um, artists, supporting, you know, British um, Asian artists, you know, I, my friend is Chinese Brit British over and she's, um, they have this whole fight over there that I'm trying to support called Be Seen. And it's, um, it's to help fight basically the uh, commercialization of, of East and Southeast Asians with COVID. So hmm. everyone's like news organizations and everyone who is like kind of writing an article about COVID, they're having a real issue over there because they're only basically using East and Southeast Asian people, which is then supporting you know 
hate and racism right. over there. And so, you know, just trying to support organizations like that with what they're doing and trying to um, then PR their movements because because I'm not I'm not one of these people who, you know, am spearheading something, but I have so many friends who are who I really love what they're doing and so just trying to support that. Yeah. Very nice. Very well said. Um, I will say, if you are looking to meet new Korean-American adoptees, I now know seven other ones, so I can get you in touch with them. Um, I'd love it. I'd love it. <laughs> Melody, uh, really, really want to thank you for coming on the show. Uh, this has been a really thank great you. interview. I can't wait to listen back to it because I know there's a lot of stuff in there that that just true gems. If people were to go out and find you and, and follow your journey on like Instagram, say, uh, where can people find you online uh, if you want them to? If, if not, you can definitely say. <laughs> no, they can follow me on um, Instagram at ohisashiburi. O-H-I-S-A-A-S-H-I-B-U-R-I. Thank God we'll for showing up tonight, right? Because I like to make <laughs> okay. it really complicated. I like to make it really there you complicated go, KJ. to find. <laughs> Very cool. Well, you can find Melody there at that uh, at that uh, <laughs> Instagram handle. And you can find us at John Chi Show on all the social media platforms. Check us out on YouTube for the food stuff that we do, which speaking of, we are going to go ahead and take a short break and come back to you with mystery item number... I think it's eight. Potentially eight. <laughs> nine? Mystery item maybe, maybe nine. Oh, mystery item we'll number nine. Man, the, the, the number is a mystery. The package is a mystery. Everything is a mystery. Stick around. It'll be fun to solve. Just, I'm just saving myself the time. Yeah. <laughs> you guys are okay right. with Robin... Yeah, lots of noises. she's a, a first repeat guest that we've had. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, we are eating mystery item number nine from Jerry's mystery box. Uh, Melody knows what it is. So yeah, Robin is just trying to eat a pop filter. So here we go. We're going to jump in right now. Here's mystery <laughs> item number nine. <laughs> this is exciting. This is... Carbs, Robin. Oh. Carbs. Boom. Carbs. Which, okay, here's Carbs. the deal. Growing up, I love Funyuns. So I like Funyuns, I'm too. very excited for Me this. Me too. Uh, let's see. This is Nongshim, which I love their shrimp crackers, so that's exciting. And it says Young Pa Ding. Uh, so I'm assuming Young Pa Ding is onion, but actually that feels wrong in the vocab that I remember. All right, I'm our preemptively giving this three stars because of Mr. DJ Yang <laughs> down here. Mr. DJ DJ Yang. Is it Yang or is it Yang? Yang. I don't know. How do you? Yang. 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 Yeah. Nice. Yang. Feeling wow. Good. You have a name. Wonder what the wonder what the story behind the name is. Oh, with the glasses off on the backside. Uh, this bag tells a story. This packaging <laughs> tells a story. Oh dear. He turned it. He turned it up. Boom. I like the freckles. Yeah, I like the onion <laughs> freckles. Hilarious. It'd be better if these these were like beet chips. <laughs> Get it? Oh, oh my, my god! What a dad! Robin oh, did not appreciate joke. that joke. Yeah, Robin. Robin. Like, no. boo, Robin. Robin boo. <laughs> dad jokes. Dad jokes. Oh, don't cry. That was a good joke. <laughs> All right. Smells like onions. How do you say cheers in Korean? Uh, Gombe. 
Kempei? Okay. It's pretty similar. Yeah. Yeah. Kempei. Kempei. I can tell it's not as funyuny as a normal like funyun, or oh, it's there's not, not enough like salt or something on it. There Nathan's is Nathan's favorite. It's not as salty and it's not as mm. flavorful. Well, as it's a good. Funyun. It's good. It's way more it's good subtle. though. I wish my allergies weren't acting up because then I could probably taste it better. It's definitely like you know the Lay's green onion chips type thing. Yeah, sour cream those and are green onions. Way. That's like yeah, mm-hmm. great way yeah. to describe it. But I will say, um, I feel like, so obviously Funyuns being the point of comparison, I feel like the <laughs> Funyuns are super crispy and like airy, and these are more dense. You so, know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. Um, like they don't like just break apart. Yeah, like when you bite in <laughs> half, like it's filled, like it's not just air. So, I'm going to say... Confirm. Filled. The first thing I noticed... Uh, on the packaging, though, too, is that it does not have MSG, whereas Funyuns do. Really? I love MSG. Yeah. What so, is MSG? Just, I just want more of it. Monosodium glutamate. Mm. Ooh, I ate that one off the floor and I had a hair on it. Not great, Nongchim. <laughs> disgusting. Uh, no. What, you're just blaming... Just kidding, Nongchim. For your dirty floor? Just kidding, Nongchim. You're blaming Nongchim for your dirty floor. Wow. No, I would never I like do em. that. I like them too. I'm just continuing to eat them. Interesting. They're, yeah, you're right. They're not as salty. I do like the saltiness of, oh. of onions. But oh, wait. These, I, these already taste healthier, though. Nathan, I was looking at the packaging, and I got excited because I saw crustacean shellfish. But uh, <laughs> it's not, it's not one of the shelled? ingredients. It's uh, not one of the ingredients. It's just manufactured it's in a facility that also processes milk, soy, peanut fish, crustacean, mm. shellfish, and egg. Yeah. Are you allergic to crustaceans? No. no. I love so I mean uh, I love Nongshim's shrimp crackers, which uh, I was gonna say, texturally, these taste very similar. They're obviously shaped yes, different. Agreed but like well. it's the same thing as so if you've had shrimp crackers since episode two and you're joining us now for onion rings. Of course I am. Yeah. So I noticed this on the milk, on the banana milk from last episode, where it had it said milk in the ingredients was the number one ingredient. And then at the end, it said contains milk in bold. This one, the first ingredient is enriched wheat flour. And the very last thing is in bold contains wheat. Is that the, <laughs> is that what they do on products is double label the first ingredient? Like if you're mm-hmm. allergic to this, do not eat it. Is that they the double reason? label the allergens. So the very last thing will say contains all allergens in bold. On every packaging now. That's why it also says manufactured in a facility. Well, I got that part because there's not as much of those ingredients in the actual ingredients. I like that every allergen is basically on here. Like everything you could be allergic to, they process in this plant. <laughs> no, I'm not allergic stuff. to any of yeah. that. I also thought it was interesting that so this is one bag is one serving size, which I think is interesting. Where in America, this would be like six servings, right? <laughs> worth of worth of stuff. So that kind of makes me like it even more. Because oh, I can eat this whole thing. It's only 240 calories. Uh, but if you're doing keto like I do, this is terrible. 36 oh. grams of carbs. Uh-oh. Oh, man. Yeah, My mom's doing keto, keto as well. Or has been doing yeah. it for like a year. I feel like for Korean food, keto is actually not that hard. Just kind of cut out the noodles and the and the um, rice. But they do a lot of, just like Japan, they do a lot of vegetable um, meat kind of meals. So hmm. well, it's a bad. good thing that the noodles and rice aren't like a staple of Korean food or anything. Yeah, I've never heard of it. I don't even think Mama. Koreans like rice. 
I don't know. I, what what even is rice? I'm just saying you can you can you can make it without it. <laughs> I mean, like, what will Wisconsin be without cheese? This is another thing. I feel like Oregon is really well known for their cheese, but I feel like the rest of the country doesn't know it. Oh, Tillamook, my favorite. Tillamook, yeah. Wow. Yeah, I feel like Oregon is good for like Birkenstocks. Uh, hipster cheese, <laughs> not like hipster cheese, but like not like hipster your classic cheese? like most American what is hipster cheese. Like the like is indie that like cheeses. feta? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, or like 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 if Oregon was like the nation's top producer of goat cheese, I wouldn't even question it. You know what I mean? Mm. But like, I think Wisconsin is like cheddar cheese uh, and like. Some really good butter and like, you know what I mean? Things like KJ, yeah, exactly. when you and your wife come to Oregon, I'll take you to the Tillamook Cheese Factory. Mm. It's amazing. It's ama- it's cheese heaven. Yeah, I think a Wisconsin person would appreciate it. Or they would consider those fighting words. Who knows? My dad's from Wisconsin. I'll text him. Oh, you saying my cheese ain't as good as yours? All my family's from Wisconsin. And I'm still saying that I like Tillamook better. Yeah. Patrick, I love it for you. Oh, Wisconsin, I sound like New Yorkers. Oh, yeah, pretty saying, much everyone. Your cheese isn't as good as my cheese. Oh, you think Wait, this no, is I your even, cheese? I can't even do New York. You guys that suddenly ended, sound like you're like Cockney accents from England and you're like selling news. You're like newspaper people, newsies. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is gonna. Yeah. This is on video, too, which is even better. Like, people seem to mm. be going, oh, your cheese? Oi, you. Oh, no, you're hey. David Copperfield. More cheese, sir. More cheese. <clears throat> okay, now my British discussed, I can't watch we've this. We've discussed doing accents. <laughs> Terrible. None of us. None of us should. Not Terrible. good at them. No, KJ's good at accents. I think I'm really good at accents, and I think I'm really good at bad accents. I'm good at bad accents. I'm good I'm... at being bad at accents. I guess. I'll Go say on, that. KJ. I want to hear a bad accent. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> I'm also. I'm shy. also in that thing where I like thinking about myself and uh, racist or anti-racist tendencies. Mm. I'm like, right. Are race? Mm. Are accents? Problematic, just all accents problematic. I think they kind of I mean, like, are. I think, I think like specifically, if you're like if you're just saying whatever, then like maybe like if it's not tied to anything, like right. if you just throw into an accent, like then I think it's fine. Like if I'm just gonna talk like this and have not any like type of cultural baggage or anything, you know what I mean? But then if you're like, <laughs> oi, have you seen that guy over there? And I'm like, and then I start making like social commentary, then it could be bad, you know. <laughs> but like if I'm just talking in an accent, then it could be good. I'll say living with a British with a British friend, we would totally make fun of each other in each other's accents all the time. Sure. And whenever she Who would do an American accent, her American accent was hilarious. She'd either go <laughs> she'd either go Southern and go like with a Southern accent, or she'd go Valley Girl, which was equally as hilarious. <laughs> Gag me with a spoon. <laughs> That's what valley girls say, right? Yeah. That's how they yeah, sound. They're always like, gag exactly. me with a spoon. Didn't we talk about that with somebody? Didn't somebody what, bring Minju? up valley girl? Was that you? Which, that, no, oh, Minju. Minju, and, yeah. I remember oh, Minju. About that. Yeah, yes, yes, yes. That yes, was the yes. first time I'd ever heard gag me with a spoon. And I know, was I was kind of, I didn't really not know what Not my she was reference about. point for valley girl speak. And I was like, what? What? <laughs> and then I was like, oh, I see. Okay, that means like, I was like that way too literally. I was like, why did you do that? <laughs> Anyways, most of that's gonna get cut. Nope, leave it in for the podcast. Not for the not for the YouTube though. Go to YouTube yeah, if probably, you want to see the uncut. That's hilarious. Let's start with Nathan, if you can. What? How many onion rings do you give these onion rings? Uh, they're addicting. I'm still eating them, so I have to Same. at least give it a three and a half to four. I think. 
I think I just need that little extra salt flavor to, to bring it. that up a little higher. Yep. I knew you were going to say the salt. Sorry. <laughs> I like it. No, it's cool. Your yeah. wife's the what? nurse. Low salt, I low know. sodium. Well, good. Then she can take care of me when I'm having a heart attack. Because <laughs> he was raised in Oklahoma. <laughs> That's hilarious. What'd you give it? He gave it a four. Well, he said three and a half or four. He never oh, actually he did didn't commit. So is it out of five and, or ten? It's out, it's out of whatever five. you want it to be. Yeah, technically, we typically it's out do of out of five. Uh, so I'm going to say Nathan gave it a three and three quarters. Yeah, just like the platform in Harry Potter. No, it's nine and three quarters. <laughs> well, okay. It's very different, obviously. <laughs> hey, <Okay>. Melody. <laughs> which which how house many are you? <laughs> rings? Um, oh, we're going to get into that. I bet he's Hufflepuff. <laughs> Uh oh man, now I want to talk about Harry Potter and that it's not the most British thing ever. Like Lord of the Rings was way cooler before Harry Potter. Come on, Rebecca. Um That's also I older give... though. That's different. <laughs> I give this a I give this a three out of five. Like I'm still eating it, but being someone okay. who's on keto, I could easily stop. So it's True. not like it's not like I'm like Oh, I have to finish this bag. Right, it's not gonna break you out of your keto. If it would, <laughs> if it was like I gotta eat the whole bag, would you give it a higher rating? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. All right. I would. All right. All right. <laughs> um. Oh. You go. Or I'll go. Okay. You go. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm gonna say five out of five. I love these things. Um, Nongshim, everything that I've had, which is three products, two of which were flavored shrimp crackers. Uh, I love so. Yeah, five out of five. And actually, to contrast Nathan... Oh, Nathan just left. Poor YouTube video. Uh, <laughs> to contrast Funyuns, they're actually... Like, when I was younger, I, I really love Funyuns. But now, they're actually too salty and too, mm. like... Like, I really mm. need, like, water and my lips get all cut and, like, whatever. But True. these are, like, perfect. They're well-balanced. <laughs> I love they're a little more substantial. And they're not as, like flaky and crispy and whatever how many onions so. did you eat that your lips bled <laughs> a single no not bled that is, would be ridiculous no but like just the salt would just like dry out my lips just like from uh, a normal and then they would crack funions. open that's uh, that's the cut. yeah 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 yeah. okay i like wait, it. Wait, perfect, no 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 wait wait wait, wait. Oh, perfect I ask, five out of five but what you say five out of five but if you were on a stranded island and you could only have shrimp crackers or these which would you choose oh the face off dang um, I if like I it. was on an island, I would choose the onion rings because I don't think I could get onion rings from the like I don't think I could get onion flavor from the island, but I could probably get shrimp or other oh. seafood type flavors on the island. And then conversely, <laughs> if I was landlocked, I would choose shrimp crackers because I love seafood. And you could almost spell SOS. <laughs> <laughs> and the dad joke. And the dad joke. This is I love uh, that. Yes, he brings his amazing. kids onto the show three times, and suddenly he's coming in hot with dad jokes. <laughs> um, I am also going to give this a five out of five for a oh, multitude dear. of reasons. First off, it already won three stars for me for DJ Young uh, <laughs> for the story that he's going. Uh, first, he was turning the party up, and then he saw somebody that he knows on the back, and he's like, "Hey, man, you got to check out this jam." So there's jamming out. I also like ease of open, ease of opening the package. I thought that was good. The so same with the banana milk. I like that they highlight the number one most dangerous ingredient inside of the thing. If you're allergic to wheat, do not eat these onion rings. And last but not least, 
I would also eat these on, I would choose these on the island, and I'd actually choose them in the landlock as well, because I almost like the subdued flavor that is not a Funyun. But I also mm. like that it's not the, sh I could eat, I like the shrimp crackers, I thought they were really good, but I could eat these forever, and not, and it would, I, I wouldn't feel like I'm shrimped out. So, five out of five would survive on a desert island with these. Would be alive. There you go. Actually, I feel like I should say, if it was like a one one ring battle, a Funyun would win. But if it was a whole bag battle, I think these really win. So oh yeah, that was the like... other reason too. Because this whole mm. bag is only one serving. So <laughs> that might be a lie. I'm almost positive it has to be a lie. But I, I accept it. And I'm going to move forward as that's my truth. I can't believe it's <laughs> 240 calories in one bag. That's probably 50% air. Yeah. Well, that's true. <laughs> that's a good point. And it, look, I mean, it's a circle, so. The, they should I'm make missing a, some in the middle. They should make an so. alternative treat that's just the middle part. Like mm, a donut. Yeah. I, I like that a lot. I, like I just realized onion donut holes. No, I don't, I don't know. What do you call them? Something about onion, onion balls. flavored rings onion is a that's registered trademark. That's not good either. What'd you say? Like, something about onion flavored rings is a registered trademark. And I hope to high heaven that it is just the word onion. Because that's what it that's <laughs> oh, yeah. what it implies. I but it says onion and then really small registered trademark. Maybe it's the onion flavored rings that is trademarked. But I Maybe really it's just the want onion it to be flavor onion. itself. Yeah. Yeah. I don't the know. The flavor of that's, onions is trademarked. That's amazing. <laughs> I'm I'm surprised DJ Yang isn't trademarked. Oh no, right? Nong Shim, send me a DJ Yong swag immediately <laughs> and I will wear it and eat these at the same time. Halloween costume. He will become DJ Yong. Yes. I already got the same hair. Look at me. I'm an onion. That's true. You just got to dye it green. <laughs> All right. Patrick, take us out, man. All right. Oh, excuse me. I got, a some, I got some onion rings, onion flavored rings in my mouth. <laughs> onion flavored <clears throat> rings. Register trademark. <laughs> registered trademark melody thanks again so much for coming <laughs> on to the show it's been in a really great time having you on um if you could just let us know one more or let our audience know more to the fact one more time where we can find you at um online to follow your journey so you can find me on instagram at ohisashibury which i think you guys are gonna put it someplace um, I also forgot to say earlier, I also hashtag at um, PDX underscore adoptee. All right. Hashtag PDX underscore adoptee. With all my um, hundreds of people following me. <laughs> yes. With all your 100 exactly people following you. Yes. Perfect 100. <laughs> you can find exactly me right. in a telephone book from 1998. It will be under my parents' names and will be living <laughs> in an address that no longer exists. Yikes. <laughs> that's terrifying uh you can find me at dj young on all the socials jk i'm at kj Rilke. you can find me at daddy daycare <laughs> robin does no. not like your jokes Aww. you can find robin at teething.com um i'm no walk photo <laughs> say bye bye Bye-bye. robin Robert is like, microphone. It's a microphone. I know what she's it's getting in her Dojanchi party. Well, before Robin takes us out, you can also find us at John Chi Show on all the other social media platforms. 
Again, one more time, Melody, thank you for coming on the show. Thank you, everybody else out there in the ether that has tuned in, has listened, press play, yes. suggested anything. We really appreciate it. Last but not least, please destroy our email inbox, Show <laughs> at justlikemedia.com. We want to hear from you. All right. So we'll see you next Wednesday. The end. All right. Thanks, everybody. We'll see you <laughs> next you week. Bye. Bye. Bye.